great to be with you. Uh, yeah, this is surreal. This is the first time I think I've spoken to people in, in terms of in this environment. I've been working from home for a long time, so I'm just literally used to staring at the screen. And I've got my trusty laptop with me as a bit of a comfort blanket, so there you go. I'm sure I'll, it'll go sometime. Yeah, so my name is uh, Matthew Boyd. I'm one of the uh, leaders here at Christchurch, uh, and it's really great to be with you. Um, just as an introduction, um, and kind of like what uh, Asher said, we're doing a series, Song of a, a Sense, about the Israelites traveling to Jerusalem on the way up, if you can imagine, uh, uh, coming to church through escape, but um, getting to Christchurch. However, the road does not have an escalator, and it's a lot more treacherous, and uh, it's very bumpy, and uh, Jerusalem is a lot further away than uh, our journey to escape. But while they are traveling, they are singing their hearts out, they are praising God. And uh, we're going to look at one of the Psalms today, uh, one of the songs that they're going to sing. And, or what one of the songs that they had, did sing, should I say. And last week we looked at uh, God and how he um, doesn't rest, that he's continually looking out for us. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll launch into uh, this this psalm. Before we do that, I just want us to have a bit of a think. In my household, we are into Marvel, so we're into the kind of Marvel universe. Not massively, but we, you know, I don't know if you're one of the people at the first lockdown who kind of got Disney Plus and then just watched all of them in, in order just because you could. It was a, it was a novelty, uh, I suppose. Um, and we watched that, and obviously, so that first phase is done. When we get into the, into the next bit into Marvel and as the new series starts coming out, um, the, the big question over it all is the question, what if? So they're actually doing a series called What If? And so it's kind of like, what if Thor was female? Or what if you know, the Hulk was female? What if Iron Man survived and all this stuff? So it's kind of spun out into different realms. And so that's kind of where that is going. And I think one of the main reasons they've done that and one of the main reasons they're, they're focusing on that question is that because it's such a massive question for us, we, we all think it it's in, in humanity. We think it all the time. I was, uh, I don't know if it was because of my driving or someone else, but uh, I was traveling and we were all in the car and someone kind of just went over onto my side of the road and we nearly had a collision with that car. And when that happens, your heart kind of raises and you think, what if that car hit us? You think about the consequences, don't you? We always have the what if questions. What if in Euro 2020, when England played Germany, Muller's goal went in and it wasn't saved? What if that happened? Would we have been in the situation we're in now? What would the consequences be? I want us to do a little bit of a a reflection exercise. I want us to, if we can, just for a moment, think spiritually about the what if questions. Now, when we do this, our minds may go to some uncomfortable places. And I promise you, we're not going to remain in that place. But for the framing of this message, I want us to just think through some of the things. Now, I want us to think about, I want you to think about a situation where God has delivered you. Think about a situation where God has come through and rescued you and saved you. Think about a situation where 
you know, it, if it wasn't for him, you'd be done. I want you to think about that and then think, what if God didn't rescue me at that point? What if nothing happened? What if he just left me to it? What if he, he, he wasn't with me? What would have happened? What would our lives look like now if God didn't intervene? And if I could just turn the screw a little bit more on that, one of the most sobering thoughts I have heard in terms of the what-if question was from Matthew, chapter 26, verse 39, when Jesus says, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. And God said, Okay, these people don't deserve what you're going to do. What would the consequences be? But just think about it. There's no salvation. We are lost. There's no hope. The only things we have hope in are the things we see. There's no fellowship. There's no this. There's no community. This building will probably be a sports bar or something like that. There would be no church there. There's no inner joy that can outlast the toughest of times. The world would most probably turn in on itself because the only light that really is there is from Jesus. So we would be in complete darkness because we would be away from the presence of God. I told you that I'd get a little bit dark. And you may think, well, that's grim. Why would I even want to think about that? I would challenge that thought and I'd say, it's not just grim. The situation will be completely hopeless. Tim Keller says this. He says, the ultimate purpose of Jesus is not only individual salvation and pardon for sins, but also in the renewal of this world, the end of disease, poverty, injustice, violence, suffering, and death. The reason I wanted to start this message by doing that reflection exercise was to get us to a point where we remember. We remember what we've been saved from. If you're new to this, this is good news because God didn't just say, okay, when Jesus said that. Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. That's amazing news. But how quick do we forget? How quick do I forget? How quick can we forget how God has rescued us from a horrific situation? Or how he's delivered us from a horrific situation? Or how he's changed us from the inside out? How quick do we forget? When I read this particular psalm, I'm really challenged to remember. I think we're all challenged to remember what God has done for us. However, the danger is, if we keep asking, what if, and we keep thinking about the past and then, and then we stay there, we end up in a state of paralysis. It's not healthy for us to completely look at the past continually all the time. What the Bible calls us to do, and what God calls us to do, what Jesus calls us to do, is to remember, but to use that as fuel to have confidence in what God has done and to have confidence that God is going to do in the future. It gives us a reassurance and feel to know that if God was with me in that situation, if he has forgiven and restored me, then he will absolutely be with me now. I'm really excited about the future of Christchurch. One of the reasons I'm excited about the future of Christchurch is because I've seen God work in the past. I've seen God provide us with things that we didn't expect to be provided. We were with a family who used to come to the church, they've moved area. And when they came to the church, they said, 
have you built that cafe? Because last time we spoke about it, it was just a bit of a pipe dream. And I was like, yeah, we have actually. And you just forget about these things that we wanted or prayed for and God provided. So he's been with us there he sustained, and he sustained us in Live at Five. We've been through it. We are here. We're at the other side of it and long may it continue. But he sustained us. People have got in contact with the church through our presence digitally and just at what Ash said, God has not stopped working. He is still working. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So this psalm is absolutely a song to have on your playlist because it shows us that God will deliver and be there for his people against all human odds. It's a song that we can sing to ourselves and to meditate on and ultimately rejoice in. A song that we can sing from the rooftops, rooftops in our darkest times as well as the best. I'd call this song the song that asks, what if? This song gives us confidence, even if we don't feel it, and even if it doesn't look like it, because God is with us, and he is for us. So, just to give a bit of context before we get into the psalm. Um, I'm pretty sure, so if we can have the psalm on the, on the screen, and if you can see that at home as well, I'm pretty sure that King David wrote the psalm because it's the song of ascent of David. So it's very obvious that, uh, that uh, David wrote this psalm. And if you don't know who David is in the Bible, his story is, is, is predominantly in Samuel, in the Old Testament, Samuel 1 and Samuel 2. And those books are epic books. In terms of the characters, that's in them. In terms of the, the redemption story, that's, that's within that, that book as well. David is a little bit of an anti-hero. We kind of like those in terms of films and stuff. He's a bit of someone who... Is, is ultimately um, is flawed, but he still does God's will. Eventually, he's, he's someone who um, goes from nothing to becoming the king of Israel. It's an epic story. Before we launch into the psalm, there's, there's two things that I want us to bear in mind uh, just before we go into it. So the first one is this. There's a debate in commentaries as to what event or events these, this psalm is talking about. So David could be referring to uh, the time of Moses when they went through the Red Sea and uh, God led the people out of, Idri uh, out of uh, Egypt and away from Pharaoh. He could be referring to many of the wars that, uh, that David um, went through and, and, and was, sex was successful and um, in some of the epic battles. It could be referring to um, his personal experience where he, had to, where he had to hide for his escape and hide. I've come to the conclusion that it's not just one event that this is talking about. It's actually a series of events. And in, in another sense, it doesn't really matter what event it's talking about because that brings us on to the, to the next, uh, next bit is that Christianity isn't based on one group of people. This story and these events that David is, is talking about shows how God worked for his people, delivered his people against all human odds. He delivered them. And Christianity is something which isn't just based on the people of Israel, but it includes us. There's some research that uh, has been done, and it says of the major religious groups, Christians 
are the most evenly dispersed, roughly equal numbers of Christians live in Europe, Latin America, the Caribbean, and Sub-Saharan Africa. What that means is that when it talks about the people of God, we are the people of God. We are the people of God in Castleford or wherever you are at home. We are the people of God. So this experience that David is talking about isn't an isolated thing. This is something that we experience and we can relate to. The Christian faith is a cross-cultural, global phenomenon, which isn't just based on any experience of a particular select group. So I'd like us just to swiftly just read the psalm again. I'll start from the beginning. And if the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive. When the anger flared against us, the flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the foulest snare. The snare has been broken and we've escaped our help is in the name of the lord the maker of heaven and earth so this we're going to look at this psalm in two parts i think this is a great model for us to use in terms of remembering kind of what i said before because what david uh, does in in, in uh, verse one to five he remembers and we're going to look at that uh, in a little bit but in the rest of the psalm in six to eight that leads to praise and that is something which I encourage all of us to do. When we remember what God has done, when we take communion, for example, we don't just sit in that memory, but that, just, that leads to praise. And that's exactly what David does. And that's a good model for us to go by. You could hear in the words that David is using about the human loss, about the horrors of war or whatever they're going through. You can hear in... Uh, verses 1 to 5 about the experience that they've had. Uh, my son Jonah, who's out, outside there, is currently obsessed with uh, Dunkirk. He is, he's learned it at school, so because he's learned it at school, he's embodied everything <laughs> to do with it. So he, he says to me, oh, I really want to watch a film, a war film. I'm thinking, well, what war film is relevant for a nine-year-old? And the question is probably none, because it's horrible. <laughs> You know, they're not nice films to watch. So these people have not have seen some horrible, horrendous things. And David is reminding them very vividly and graphically about that. If the Lord was not on our side, we would have been destroyed. If the Lord weren't on our side, we would have been wiped away. We would have been finished. If the Lord wasn't on our side, the people of Israel would not exist. You can see he uses several graphic images to really drill home that message. He uses certain phrases within all of this psalm. Um, Swallowed us alive. The flood would have engulfed us. They would have been swept away. Torn by their teeth. Escaped like a bird. I mean... I think we get the message. It was a terrifying, horrendous situation that they desperately wanted to get out of. And God, against all human odds, delivered them. Have you ever felt like that? It may not be completely within this situation. But have you felt and been in a situation when you believe that something is going to absolutely destroy you? 
Have you ever felt like you were just going to be swept away? I mean, you look at these words and you say, I've been there. I have been there. With the year we've had and what we've all been through, it would not be surprising if we all haven't had this thought at some point. Whether it's worrying about our health, whether it's worrying about our jobs, our loved ones, or the world as a whole. You just feel sometimes that the, the walls are caving in and you just think, I can't survive this. I'm going to be destroyed. I'm going to be wiped out. In, our, in this life, we're all going to go through these tough times, regardless if you're Christian or if you're not. If you are Christian or you're not. We're going, at some point, we'll feel like situations will destroy us. And the question is, I suppose, I want to pose this, is that when you go through that situation, and it's when, not if, is do you go through that alone, or do you go through that with the help of the Lord, who's the maker of heaven and earth? Or do we go through them just on that by ourselves? That's the, dif- that's the difference. That's the difference. See, being a Christian doesn't stop bad things happening. But when you go through those times, you walk through them with a God who loves you and wants to protect you and is constantly looking out for you. Before I knew I was um, preaching this sermon, um, for Amy's birthday, I got a... Uh, um, um, it, was, it was a verse and it was an, it was an art piece and the verse was... Um, uh, and, it, and it's, yeah, so, sorry. Yeah, it was Isaiah 43, 2, and it says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. You could argue I should have looked at the context before then, but I just liked that phrase. <laughs> so, yeah. So I got it, it was nice. And then when I was going through that, I, it was something that I look at every day, and I thought, I'll look at the context of that. And the, and the, um, the heading for that is Israel's only saviour. So I read on and it says this, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name and you are mine. That's powerful words by God. Remember what I said before, we are the people of God. He's redeemed me. He summoned me. Do not fear, and I am his. It reminds me of a fa- you know, what a father says to their children. They will take responsibility for them. They will protect them. We are gods. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord, your God. Although we pass through the rivers, they won't sweep over us. Although we pass through the fire, we will not be burned. Do we believe that? I believe that each one of us has had an experience at some point where we felt like we've been or could be destroyed and God has preserved us in many ways. Sinclair Ferguson, who was a pastor and theologian, says this. This is not in the sense that the Christian knows no difficulty. No trial, no darkness, no opposition. But in this sense, there is no difficulty and no trial 
and no opposition and no darkness that can ultimately withstand God's saving purposes in our lives. Whether that's in life, whether that's in death, ultimately, God's saving purposes in our lives will not be destroyed. He will continually be with us. That's amazing news. That is something which, through this year, I've been holding on to, and I think subconsciously that's why I bought that <laughs> that that uh, the art piece because of what it said. So that's verse one to five in terms of what uh, David does. He remembers, and then in the rest of the psalm six and eight, he goes on to praise. After David has remembered what God has done for him, um, he starts to praise God. We see this again, like in what I said from verse six to eight. Praise be the Lord. Praise be to the Lord, who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the foulest snare. The snare has been broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This is a challenge to me, because as I said earlier, often when we remember what God has done for us, sometimes we're apathetic and not bothered. It's just like a distant memory that's just kind of just there. And like I said before, this psalm is a great um, it's a great model for us to use in terms of how to use those times when we remember. I pray by the Holy Spirit's power that whenever we do remember what God has done, done for us, he stirs us up to praise. He should lead us to praise him and be thankful and marvel at his goodness. You see, the climax of the psalm, David says some powerful words in verse 8. This to me is a statement that I pray that each one of us can say. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I think if we truly believe that, then it changes everything. If we believe that God who made heaven and earth is our help and he is constantly looking out for us and he's protecting us, that would surely change our mindset. When the Israelites escaped from Pharaoh in Egypt or when they got to the Red Sea, it took a miracle for them to escape because they got to the edge of the Red Sea. And I'm sure you know the story. God had to literally divide the water. We sometimes get to a point in life when we have a Red Sea moment. Because in that moment, the Israelites, when they saw that and God did that, they couldn't turn around and say, well, that's because of us. We got through that because of what we've done. It was so obvious that God was in that. When we get to that point, when we have that kind of Red Sea moment, when we get to the point where we're just saying, look, God, I can't do this anymore. We have to take our hands off the wheel and just say, look, God, I'm, I, humanly speaking, I've used all my resources, I'm done. Then that's when we see God work. That's when we see God work. In Exodus 4, Moses says to the Israelites, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. That is a famous phrase. But just think about that. Because it doesn't matter how hard we try in certain situations, we cannot make that situation better. We are human, we are finite beings. But if we believe that we have help from the Lord who is the maker of heaven and earth, 
and we can say, and it's a liberating place to be, God, I take my hand off the wheel, I give this to you. It's nothing to do about our own strength. Now you may say, okay, okay, stop right there. How do I know that God will never leave me, protect me and not let me get swept away and swallowed? Because all this sounds great, but I need assurances. I need to know that God is going to be with me. And that's a good question. So we're going to conclude by looking at Romans 8. And we're going to look at verse 31. And again, it's a very famous um, part of the Bible. And it says this, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If you read that in isolation, it seems quite arrogant. But before that, what Paul, the writer of that, uh, of that letter, talked about is us being Christ's heirs and going through suffering and awaiting future glory. And he kind of builds up to this point where he says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? It doesn't matter how many mighty things happen in our lives. If the Almighty is with us, then nothing will ultimately destroy you. That's what that is saying. There is nothing that can ultimately destroy you if God is for you. Do you believe that God is for you? It's exactly what we've been thinking about today. But then Paul goes on to say in verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? This is the logic, and this is the gospel message. This is the good news message that we cling to. Because if God is the maker of heaven and earth, and we want a relationship with God, and we want God to protect us and help us and get us through life, there is no way God can do that because we are finite beings and we have sin in our lives. We naturally want to do our own thing. That's the way we are as we are brought into this world. So what happens is for us to have a relationship with God, for God to take us and protect us, our sin has to be dealt with. And Jesus deals with our sin decisively on the cross. If God spared his son, if God said to Jesus, like we said at the beginning, you don't have to go through this. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was sweating blood, and God said, I'm going to spare you this, then the, we are done. The situation is hopeless. But, praise God that he didn't spare his son. See, when Jesus was on the cross, he was swallowed up. He was engulfed by that blood. He was swept away. He was torn apart. He didn't escape like a bird. When he did call on the name of the Lord, he was met with complete silence. He was crucified on the cross and brutally murdered. However, it doesn't end there. We don't worship a God who dies on a cross and then we just remember that and then that's it. He didn't stay dead. He rose again against all human odds. He was triumphant over Satan, sin and death 
Now death, where is your sting? Our resurrected king has rendered you defeated. Jesus is alive. And the same spirit, and you may have heard this phrase a lot, but it's powerful and it's true. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is at work in us today. We have access to that because of what Jesus did on the cross. How do we know God will protect us? Because he didn't spare Jesus. And through Jesus, we get God. When Paul says he will give us all things, what does he mean? It means you get God. <laughs> you get the Lord. He, he is there for you. He will protect you. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. He won't rest. He's there for you. Nothing can break this. We have an unbreaking, unflinching, unwavering protection from the maker of heaven and earth. I am his and he is mine. I'm going to read from verse 33 and just let these words wash over us. We may have heard these words plenty of times. We may have thought about them. I want us to reflect on that now, just bearing in mind what I've said. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus has died. More than that, who was raised to life. Is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or dangerous sore, that it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor death, depth, now, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a powerful statement, and I pray that really resonates with us, because that's good news for all of us. I pray that by the end of today, if you don't know Jesus, or if you, or if you haven't thought about Jesus, I pray that you think through and that you ask questions, continue to ask questions, but I pray at the end of it you can say, my help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So we've run over, but um, there's loads of questions in that psalm, and we're just going to deal with them. So if you're watching online, it will just take five minutes of your time. I'm going to invite up, and I'm gonna, we're going to try and sort of stand <clears throat> near each other, but without breaking any social distancing rules. So um, Paul Howell's going to come up to my left, and I think, and Matthew Boyd's going to jump in there. So we're just going to talk this through, and I don't know if we've got any, any questions. Uh, if we have, we haven't got any, any questions. You can text them or raise your hand or anything like that. Um, first, first place this psalm. Are we okay with sound? First place this psalm takes me is. It flags up um, one of the elephants in the room that comes sometimes uh, with with Christian chat. So I've um, I've definitely experienced what it's like to have God on my side, and I'm familiar with that kind of vocabulary. But I would say as well, I've definitely seen 
I've definitely watched war films of empire and conquest, and I've definitely seen a triumphant um, Christian chat that I would say sort of claims this idea of God being on their side. Mm. Um, and I'm really, so when I read it there, I thought, yeah, amen, I've known God with me on my side. And I'm thinking, how do I explain this to somebody who maybe looks at the Christian story and goes, I don't really, I don't really get this. So how, is there a way that we can, I mean, we've, we've obviously done it in part through the sermon, sermon, but I'm just wondering, guys, is there a way that we can think about this or, you know, talk, how, would, how do we talk about this to somebody who's, the, you know, just if they come across faith for the first time, so we're, you're chatting tomorrow at work, um, over, over lunch, and they, and they, and this, you say, all right, I preached on this, and they say, God's on somebody's side, so how do we understand the idea of God being on somebody's side? Yeah, that's, that, that's a tough one. I think um, <laughs> that's why you're taking it. I know, yeah, thank, <laughs> thanks, Matt, appreciate it. Um, I think one of the things that, that the church forgets really easily is the, the idea that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So actually the place that the church uh, is moving forward is triumphant, is when it's actually crushed and when it's broken. Uh, and then very often what we've seen over, over history is when a people group are rising up with strength, there's the temptation to then claim God. Actually, if you look at the history of the growth of the Christian faith, it has mostly grown in adversity. If you see the way it's grown in, um, in China, in other parts of the Far East, in parts of the Middle East, in parts of, uh, of Africa, it's in, it's in oppression that the church has grown, not in its strength. And actually, the church starts to fall apart when it starts to claim when he gets cocky about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right, so okay. we see kind of the whole, the period of the Crusades when Christian faith was certainly in Europe at its peak, and actually it just declined into what's called the Dark Ages, and it's called dark because actually it was broken and messed up, and that's, and, and so I think, I think one of the things for us to do as the church is to remember that, to have an attitude of, of, uh, of brokenness rather than strength and militancy. Yeah. And I was thinking about it when, when you, while you were preaching about Acts chapter 12. There's a section there where um, Herod takes James, um, the brother of John, and kills him. Sees how the church, uh, sorry, how the people uh, were pleased with that. So he takes Peter puts him in prison with presumably the intention to kill him as well. And Peter, Peter is miraculously released. And you think, wow, was God not with James and with Peter? Mm. And actually, that's not how it works. It's God, God is with his people on the journey that he's taken them through because actually it's not about this immediate safety and security so in in jumping to looking for our own victory we can often go right so god's must be on and that's i guess when we when we can get lost we can say oh god must be if his gods are here yeah. then he's not because that's the yeah. that's the thing that you worry about in explanation you go well if he's yeah. here then he's not yeah. here but that's not that's not uh, the truth of it yeah and, that, and that's that's kind of picked up in revelation where we see 
The glory of the hope of the church is on the blood of the martyrs. It's actually in a broken, crushed people where we see hope because ultimately our hope is in a broken, crushed Savior. And so, you know, we shouldn't be surprised when, I don't know if I'm on by the way, but we shouldn't be surprised when, you know, when we feel crushed and mm. broken. Mm. And do we say at that point, oh, God's not for me because I feel crushed and broken. But actually, yeah. how God works in us <laughs> when we are crushed and broken, that's when he produces yeah. the fruit and the, the amazing things. We just, yeah. It doesn't strike me that this is an arrogant song, though. It strikes me that this is almost a song that they're singing to remind themselves of. I'm going to need to sing this because I need to remind them. Because I, what, as I'm listening to the preach, I'm thinking, mm. I'm not sure I we talked about the idea of having these songs on your playlist. I'm not sure I... I think that all the time. I'm not sure I well, yeah. I think that easily. And I think it's, I don't reflect back and think all the times when I've hung on to my faith or yeah. gone down a certain path. I don't think all the time that, oh, that was God mm. in that. I kind of use it for sermon purposes. When I think about my route to ministry, I go, oh, yeah, that was God there. Everything else, I'm not sure God was in you know, in that. Or I don't go there quickly. But I think, I think there's almost with this psalm, there's a sense in which it says to us, we should really do that. We should look back in the times in our lives and really sort of own those moments. Yeah. Yeah. When God's with us, a little we'll bit. use those moments as confidence to know He's going to be with me in the future. That's yeah, what yeah. I, I, so I was thinking. The journey up to Jerusalem was a scary journey. Yeah, maybe they, maybe they sang this particular song when they were about to go through a really dangerous valley, which was filled with robbers, and they reminded themselves of the past so that they'd have confidence. For it's very corporate, isn't it? Yeah, you know, what it says. And they're together. A yeah. bunch of people singing a song like that who are terrified. Absolutely. Maybe it's more rather than a triumphant kind So it's not it's not out there on, well, it might be out there on Spotify, Psalm 124, but get that song in your heads. I think we're, all, we're, we're off to work next week or we're off to sort of different environments uh, throughout the week and we're trying to practice this faith thing uh, that we have. And there's an encouragement for us there, I think, to sort of see the points in our life when God has been with us. Knowing, not knowing that things is going to be cracking, but knowing that it could be tough. Hmm. Uh, that might be a good point. I don't know if people are still with us at home. Hope you are. Um, it's nice to, to, to know that some people are actually with us here uh, when you do this sort of chat. So I'm just going to uh, wrap it up with a word of prayer. Absolutely. And then uh, our service is, is finished. Father God, we do give you great thanks. Um, in a sense that we can we, t- we can pick up that promise, another promise that you lay down before us, that where two or three are gathered together in your name, that you're there with us. And, and in an incredible way, maybe even an odd way, uh, we know that to be true. So, Father God, we, we thank you for that. We thank you for times that we can look back on our life that give us uh, strength and encouragement for, from when you've been with us. And we just pray now that we can look back ultimately to a, the cross where you are really with us, with us in a way that is just can sustain us forever. And uh, as we face a difficult road ahead and as we continue on this journey through Psalms, we pray that we'll increasingly look back to see how you've given us hope. Uh, yeah, so help us. Help us do this, Father God. Help us not to get lost in panic. Help us not to get lost in the moments of the week, but help us to sort of have this real bedrock and this real foundational hope in what Jesus has done for us. And help us, if we don't have this and we're floundering for this, Father God, may we find it just in this moment, may we find it in you this week. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.